Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our first reading for this weekend, we hear from Paul's letter to Timothy. Now, if you look at our church calendar, you see that we are going to be reading from Paul's letter to Timothy for the next seven weeks. So you say to yourself, well, why? Why do we have to read for so long into this letter? Well, because the church thinks that this letter is very important. In fact, this letter contains such rich wisdom in matters of pastoral ministry as well as spirituality. The church therefore asks us over the coming weeks to stay with this letter and absorb all the wisdom that Paul is going to give us through this letter to Timothy. Now, how does it begin? I am grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy in appointing me to the ministry. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and arrogant, but I have been mercifully treated because I acted out of ignorance in my unbelief. Here, Paul is telling Timothy, and now us, that Paul stands as a living example of Christ's grace and how redemptive Christ's grace is, how it changed Paul's life and saved him. See, Paul is telling us just how powerful God's grace is. It has the power to transform Paul, a once a rebellious sinner, into one of the most remarkable saints in our entire church. Paul is very honest and open. He says, I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor. Well, he was just that. In fact, Paul was probably the greatest persecutor of our church. This was a man that presided over the stoning death of St. Stephen. In Acts chapter 9 and 11, we see Paul breaking into Christians' houses and taking them off to prison to be executed for what we do right now every Sunday. We worship and praise our God. So Paul was very malicious. He was always persecuting the church, and yet he thought this was God's will. This was what a good Jew should do. And yet, through the power of God's grace, the worst enemy of our church now becomes the greatest defender of our church, even probably the greatest apostle. Now, as we enter into this letter to Timothy, what we have to do is appreciate the whole context in which it is set in. Timothy, we could say, is the prodigy of St. Paul. In fact, Paul personally recruited Timothy to the faith. When Timothy was very young, Paul baptized Timothy. And from that moment forward, Timothy became a student of Paul, a disciple. Timothy traveled with Paul on many of his missionary journeys. He was always at Paul's side, listening and learning from him. When Timothy became an adult, it was Paul himself who ordained him as a priest. We could say Paul was Timothy's mentor or spiritual father. One day, Paul finds some distressing news. The Christian community at Ephesus has been infiltrated by false teachers. Now, Ephesus is in present-day Greece, and back then, it was a great Roman city. In fact, it was a very successful and wealthy city. 
because it relied upon trade from both Europe and Asia. Ephesus sat on the banks of the Aegean Sea, and therefore boats from Asia would come into the docks and they would leave off all their cargo in order to be transported north into Europe and vice versa. And so you could say that Ephesus was the gateway to both Asia and Europe, and therefore it was a great trading city. Well, Paul saw this, and therefore he personally established the Christian community at Ephesus. It took him about two or three years to find and establish this Christian community. And afterwards, he moved on to establish others. And yet, while he was there in Ephesus, he came to know the people very well. He considered them his friends, his family. And see, Paul is greatly disturbed at this news, that these false teachers have come into the Christian community there and are teaching false doctrine, things contrary to the gospel. Worse yet, the people are engaging in behavior that's contrary to church teaching. And so Paul is greatly distressed at this, just because he knows these people very well. And so Paul immediately sends Timothy. He wants Timothy to resolve this crisis, to direct the people back to the teachings of the church. You could say this was Timothy's first assignment or his first parish. Now, when he arrives in Ephesus, Timothy sees that it is every bit as bad as Paul imagined. The people have strayed from the teachings of the church. They're no longer practicing their faith, going to mass. And so it's pretty bad. So Timothy sets out to change it all by first catechizing, teaching. This is so important for us all. The most or the best way for us to come to know the faith in a greater way and to strengthen our faith is by growing in a greater knowledge of it. See, Timothy realized that. And so, Timothy does that, but it doesn't go very well at the very beginning. The people treat Timothy as an outsider. He's young. They don't accept him. Worse yet, he's all alone. He has no one to support him. And so, he becomes discouraged, even to the point of giving up. Paul finds out about this, so he immediately dispatches this letter to Timothy that we are reading in the second reading now. Basically, the message is pretty clear. He wants to boost Timothy's morale, you know, to keep the faith. He pleads for Timothy not to give up. Just like God never gave up on Paul, so God will never give up on Timothy and us. More to it, Paul is going to tell Timothy to trust in the power of God's grace, to surrender to it. See, this is why this reading is very important for us too. In some ways, Paul speaks to us for us to trust in the power of God's grace, how that power has the ability to change our lives for the better and strengthen our faith, just like it did for Paul. See, what Paul is going to stress is that through the power of God's grace, we encounter the risen Lord in our life. Therefore, we are naturally compelled to change our lives, just like Paul did. Another great example of this is John Newton. Some of you may know of him, He's the man that wrote the song, Amazing Grace, a powerful song. Notice how it begins. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now found. I was blind, but now I see. The words, the melody, that song speaks to the deepest instincts of the human heart in need of deliverance. Now, the background of John Newton before he converted to Christianity 
is very interesting. He earned a living in the slave trade. For many, many years, he was involved in this slave trade and profited by it. Well, one time as he was making his way across the Atlantic to the United States with a boat full of slaves, he encountered a very serious storm that nearly took his life. After he recovered from the storm, he recognized the power of God's grace was in that storm and he encountered the risen Lord in his life. Therefore, it made him wake up to what he was doing. That's why it says in the song, Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. He realized just how terrible a life he was living. He woke up to that fact through the power of God's grace, that he was trafficking in human beings and profiting by it. That's why he considers himself a wretch. But notice, he says, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. He recognized that through the power of God's grace, now he was saved. And therefore, his life was going to change forever. He went back to England, became an evangelist, and evangelized, converted many people to Christianity. Now, he never forgot his past as a slave trader, and he worked for many, many years to abolish slavery, and in fact did after a while. See, John Newton realized his personal conversion had broad consequences. More to it, our own faith has far-reaching consequences. I would say that every person, every Christian man and woman walks the same road, the same path that Paul and John Newton have walked. Maybe not in such a dramatic fashion, but each and every one of us has all experienced the power of God's grace in our life. We have experienced the risen Lord, and therefore our faith has changed. It has gotten stronger for it, and others have benefited by it, just like with Paul and John Newton. I'll give you another example. Here in our own parish, today we celebrate Catechetical Sunday. It's a time in which we recognize the important work that our catechists do in teaching faith to our younger children in our faith formation programs. See, just like St. Paul and John Newton, our catechists experience the power of God's grace. And through that, now they are able to teach our children to be a catechist and pass on our faith to the next generation. Now, if you speak to any catechist, whether they're brand new or have been doing it for many years, they'll all tell you the same thing. Only through the power of God's grace can they summon the courage to stand before the kids and teach the faith. And believe me, it's not always easy. Sometimes it can be difficult. And therein lies the power of God's grace. You know, it, for some reason, it has touched them. And it has led them to teach our children to pass on the faith. And now, because of that, now our children know the faith. Now they know how to live it out. Because of God's grace working in and through the catechist that is teaching them the faith. See, Therein lies the most important part. Our faith is not something that we can put on or take off at a moment's notice. No, instead, our faith is something for all of eternity. That's why Paul says at the very end, But for that reason, I have been mercifully treated, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who have come to believe in him for everlasting life. Our faith is just that. It's for everlasting life. 
That's why it's so important for us to tend to it. It is vital for us to pass faith on to the next generation. As I've always said, the Catholic faith is a generation away from extinction. If we don't pass it on to our children, they're not going to know it. And therefore, they're not going to be able to pass it on to their children. And that's why I always say the catechists are the unsung heroes of our church and of our parishes. More to it, they teach the faith with a great deal of anonymity, you know, without anyone noticing what they do. And yet their work is incredibly vital for the future of our parish. See, that's why when one person is strengthened by their faith, other people benefit by it. Look at St. Paul. You know, by the power of God's grace, you know, he changed his life. And because of that, his faith was strengthened. And we all benefit by it because we continue to read Paul's readings, his letters, and receive such a great deal of wisdom from that. Look at John Newton. You know, after he converted to Christianity, he worked to abolish slavery, and therefore our entire world benefit by that. Look at our catechists. Through the power of God's grace, now they have summoned the courage to pass on the faith to our children, and therefore our entire parish has benefited by that, because now our kids know the faith and they know how to live it out. See, it all happens because of the power of God's grace to change us all, to make our faith better, stronger. And in doing so, the entire faith community benefits by that. So what's the requirement? One simple thing, surrender to it and allow the power of God's grace to change us and make our faith all the more stronger. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ Rest in you always.